0: All right, Welcome everybody to the Team Building Show. I'm your host, Sandy McKay. And here at the Team Building Show, it's our mission to create high-level conversations, give you all actionable items, uh, actual concepts for you to go and implement in your real estate business right away. And before we get rolling here with our guest, uh, we've got a quick reminder to go over to our website, teambuildingshow.ca. You'll be able to subscribe to our list, never miss an episode to get all access to anything else we're doing and um, and be able to just chime in and Great, uh, you know, comments, reviews, all that sort of stuff. Uh, go like our Facebook page too, the Team Building Show for Canadians. Subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, wherever you're watching. Hit this subscribe button. Send us some feedback. We'd love to hear some feedback on uh, contents. And if you have any requests or any guests that you think would be great to to get on the show, then feel free to reach out. Always looking for new uh, new options and new uh, conversations to get into. So um, please reach out. Give me some feedback. We'd love to hear from everyone. Uh, we are. Here with uh, Austin Kainer today. Welcome to the show, Austin. Thanks, Sandy. Thanks for having me. Excited to get into this one. We've, uh, we've never really talked about uh, you know, the setup you have in business, so it's kind of cool uh, to have you on the show. Um, why don't you kind of give the viewers or listeners a bit of background on uh, who you are and your real estate journey up to this point?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. I got into the business uh, seven or eight years ago. I, was, I had a job doing direct sales. We were selling water heaters door to door in, uh, in Ontario, 80% of people own their water or rent their water heaters. So there was some disruption in that industry. And that's where I got uh, my sales training. And uh, I wanted to buy investment properties with the with the extra money that I was making. And um, I knew that I didn't know enough about real estate at the time to to make great decisions. And I figured, um, you know, a higher ticket sales item would be better for my my uh, wealth building goals to be able to buy more real estate assets. Um, and then I'd also get to learn about the industry. So I jumped in and uh, haven't looked back. Uh, just started door knocking when I first got in the business, which was good and bad. It was the only lead source that I had. 90% of my sales that year were from, from door knocking leads that I got and um, looked to build a team pretty quickly from there. Cause did about 350,000 GCI in that first year. And um thought that building a team was the next step and, and teaching other people to do it. But it turns out that most people don't want to get into the business and start pounding the pavement and have that being their only lead source. So there was a lot of, a lot of stagnation in terms of growth with that Um, until we adopted better lead generation models and systems around those lead generation models, were we able to take it to the next level and uh, fast forward uh, to the seventh or eighth year. And this year we'll do $2.4 million in gross commission. And um, there was, you know, obviously ups and downs along the way to that.
0: Awesome. And so uh, just for the perspective for listeners now, you're in Toronto, downtown Toronto. What areas of Toronto do you, or what areas did you at least start in? And maybe it grew to to a wider area now maybe, but what does that look like? What, What areas do you service?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. We started in South Etobicoke. It was the it was the closest door I could reach with my fist when my license came in the mail. Um, I was living in South Etobicoke at the time, so I did every single street around there and and then within a year or so moved downtown where, where I wanted to be, young and and uh, and no kids and stuff like that, just uh, wanted to be in, in that environment and so I started door knocking there and just kind of started building up a database in that location. But um, after a couple of years of we hired ISAs and had people calling like all over the GTA because you can burn in a day, you can go through 700 phone numbers and you might only get 700 phone numbers in a, in a given community. So you'd go through a community pretty quickly and you had to go all the way to Milton. And I was servicing Milton and East Scarborough and everywhere in between. So it was really scattered. So it, it stagnated our growth for for a few years because we were spread so thin and there was no nothing to build on. And um, then we started realizing that the majority of our sales were still coming from South Etobicoke, where I first started farming. And uh, we just made a, a decided effort in early 2017 to very strictly focus all of our marketing efforts, all of our prospecting efforts, all of our giving to the community efforts in a, a specific geographic location, which was a couple of communities in South Etobicoke. And now we um, do some of Southeast Mississauga. We have an agent who focuses on downtown condos. We have an agent who focuses in Hamilton. Uh, we're basically one, uh, a new market. So we're looking to apply that same model, that philosophy of going really small and concentrated, but doing it in a bunch of areas because then you can get really big that way.
0: Yeah. So the beginning, when you first started out, you weren't really spread out. You were kind of focusing on one specific community, one specific neighborhood. Was that kind of the thought process as you started started out door knocking?
1: The thought process was just to talk to as many people as possible <laughs> about whether or not they wanted to sell their house. So I didn't think too much behind. But beyond that. I didn't think of farming. I didn't see all the benefits of which there's so many. I just... Was dumb and happy and try to talk to as many people as possible. And when when I had knocked on every door in that neighborhood, then I, I'd moved downtown at that point. So I started knocking doors on there, and I hadn't realized that using that momentum uh, would make my job and life so much easier.
0: So, like a lot of people, um, you know, we don't spend too much time on this, but a lot of people, you know, really think that the GTA, especially, is super competitive. There's sixty thousand realtors on the board. This it's one of the most competitive real estate markets probably in North America. And you just walked in and sold you know, 350K in the first year. What is there something, uh, is there a trick to that? Is that just working hard or what's the, what's the key to that? Because a lot of people just never even get one sale in their first year. Yeah, so coming
1: from the direct sales job, it was such great training. I said that because we would be out for 10 to 12 hours a day for six days a week for 50 weeks a year. Like getting a vacation with that leader, the guy managing our sales trainer um, was almost impossible we had to fight for vacation days off, not likely the manager. I remember at one point had shingles and our boss made him come into work because being sick was an excuse. Like it was a no excuse, no bullshit environment and a high concentration and focus on production. And any day that wasn't productive was a hindrance in our ability to get promoted. So none of us really wanted to be door knocking for the rest of our lives, obviously. So, The next step was managing an office. So if you could show that you were productive every single day, could lead a crew who would also be productive, because we were training people to do the same thing every day, um, then you would earn the right to move in as a manager Then you wouldn't be in the field anymore, you'd be doing recruiting only. So that was the goal. And that was my motivation to get amazing at that job. And then carrying that into real estate, felt easy, because a lot of people didn't like when you came by the door, to sell them a water heater. There's a lot of bad publicity, a lot of negative press, a lot of shitty salespeople in the industry, not regulated whatsoever at the time. Um, so pretty much anybody could go to the door and and sometimes they weren't doing it honestly and ethically. So we were contending with with a lot of that, but in real estate, people actually like talking about real estate and what their plans were and, and it was so much easier and I had already been conditioned to do it for so many hours every day. So coming and doing it for six hours a day felt like I was slacking because I could only do six hours. Cause I still had to input the data. I still had to write the thank you card. I still had to like manage the business and learn MLS and, and do prospect matches and all the shit that comes, all the chaos that gets created from getting those leads and those appointments.
0: And so you said you wanted a the team was kind of on your mind almost straight out of the gate. Uh, what did, um, you know, what were the early challenges in that as you started out kind of team building and and looking at hiring people and all that?
1: That's another great question. And I'm sure you've been through this too, but hiring the wrong people or the wrong person for the the role. Um, I went through a couple of assistants early on. I ended up hiring one that worked with us for three years, but you know, either we outgrew them or the business grew in a different direction or our needs changed and that person wasn't right for the role that we needed moving forward. Um, so a lot of the growing pains is just like initially turnover and not having the right systems in place and not knowing what to focus on first in terms of like building a foundation because really the people that we hire should be taking stuff off our plate, but should also be making things more systematic so that anybody could come plug in and do their job. And, uh, there's a lot of challenges just with hiring and developing the right people. I would say that's the biggest one.
0: Tons ongoing, ongoing forever, right? How how does uh you know how did were you following a model for that? Where did you get your your tips or tricks or uh, education around that stuff?
1: Um, I mean, first uh, millionaire real estate agent—that's what got the idea of building a team and how to do it into my head, and I'm sure yours too—is that th- that's where you probably first got the concept too, right?
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that and then uh, you know Keller Williams just, and I'm sure other companies too do do too, but um, they just have pretty awesome training on like career visioning, like the hiring process, how to hire somebody, what to look for, what talent looks like, what kind of questions to ask, learning the life story of the candidate and what they've done in the past, things that they're proud of and not so proud of and uh, their trajectory have they been improving over the years. So that different training from from different people at the organization, but I really just uh, followed Ben Kinney because he was the most productive agent at our company. And he was doing things in a way that seemed conducive to my style of doing things. And, uh, did a really good job of simplifying concepts and strategies that otherwise seem pretty complicated. So um, once I started kind of honing in on his specific models and systems, um, our business just started improving pretty dramatically. So that's, uh, that's where I've gotten my most recent, I would say like the second half of my career, that's where the majority of our systems and models and training have come from.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that a bit because I think a lot of uh a lot of agents out there um probably have no idea what, what your version of a business even is that it even exists or or what that looks like, right? With the expansion uh and and the whole massive group and team behind you, um, all throughout the US. Can you touch on what that looks like and like what that even means to uh maybe we'll talk about what that means to the the whole market and landscape here in, in Canada because I think that's becoming a bigger thing and there's gonna be tons of big players coming in on that. But as far as I know, you were probably one of the first in, uh, at least in GTA, to uh, to kind of go down that route, and um, obviously it's turned out to be a, a to this point a, a great move. But at least by the numbers,
1: <laughs> yeah, they, uh,
0: they don't lie. So, so talk a bit about that. What is that all about? How did you make that decision? And what what is that? What is expansion? And and what is that what does that all look like?
1: So it's a lot of things, and uh, there's a lot of tangibles, and then there's a lot of intangibles. Um, so the main reason though that I I seek that partnership uh, was mostly so that agents that I brought into my organization had the highest chance of success because on my own, like I said, when I first got in the business, me door knocking, doing 350,000 first year, 650 the next year, wasn't enough to get other people to be able to do the same. So my success did not necessarily mean that they would have success. And the way that I did it from that specific lead source wasn't necessarily going to, uh, it wasn't actually producing success uh, in most other people. There's a, there's actually a couple that are still with us that are just killing it doing that. But uh, for the most part, like some people just pr- perform better talking to their sphere and they, and if we give them the right scripts and we give them the right follow up campaigns, we give them the right tools and technology, we create awesome events that they can bring them towards. That's the value proposition that we can, we can help them with because otherwise they're organizing those events and they're taking time away from, from communicating and feeding their database to, to work on those things. And um It was because of the fact that when we onboard an agent, we want to have a process in place. We want to have a proven model and system that's going to help them produce. So if you're bringing an agent into an organization and you've got certain milestones like a buyer certification, and and this is what getting your buyer certification looks like. And here's a link to listening to it 10 times, and you're going to book three appointments of shadowing other agents. And once they do those things, they get their buyer certification, we feel good about giving them more buyer leads and having them work with our buyers. And if they're to do 100 previews in the first month and we can track it and and let them know about the benefits, while they're talking they're 200 sphere contacts, they're talking about the fact that they're previewing homes similar to what their sphere is telling them that they're looking for and now they're creating business opportunities from doing an activity that's going to help them get to know the market better and things like that. So we want to tap into that onboarding system that was Already proving in 46 different cities across the US that agents in their first 30 days were able to produce, as opposed to telling them to have six months of reserves in case they don't make any money in their first six months. We wanted to make sure we had a system and process that they could be successful. And to build that myself would take a long time.
0: Yeah. So you've, uh, you've partnered with, uh, I guess the, the branding has changed a bit now, Place Inc., which is, uh, I don't know, I, I don't know the history on it, but Ben Kitty Group, Ben Kitty Team originally, and now Place. And then you know they're all over the place right so you can't just touch on what that organization looks like briefly um, to give some people perspective on that cuz it's a huge company
1: yeah it is a huge company so to put in perspective uh compass and i i might have the exact percentages off a little bit but but compass um is valued at 4.4 billion last time i checked and they and place because place is a combination of Chris Suarez's team, um, experience real estate and Ben Kinney's team, because Ben had, you know, 24 expansion partners at the time, Chris had 11 or 12. So the number one, the number three team at Keller Williams, instead of like a partnership, they created an entirely different organization. It's not competing with brokerages. It's not competing with, uh, It's not a brokerage. Um, It's just a platform for people to tap in. If they want to build a team, it's a platform that people can tap into with technology and with uh, training and human resources and things like that uh, to be able to build it faster. So that's basically the main value proposition, but in the States, they also offer mortgage and title and all the services in one so that you don't have to go to five different companies to get a transaction completed. You can actually do it all in one one place. Hence the name. Um, So, Yeah, I mean, here in Canada, it's we use it as the technology, we use it as the human resources. And uh, we use it as a system so that people can tap in and and their transactions are automated, uh, all the different 180 different things that have to happen with a listing. Um, There's people who are who are executing those things. And, um, and agents can focus on the things that are going to produce them the most amount of money. In the States, Yeah, in the states, it's uh, in forty-six different uh, cities right now, and they have access to all the technology. They have the the combination of the resources, and the individual teams are creating the systems and processes for agents to uh, jump into in their respective locations.
0: <clears throat> yeah, and their um, <clears throat> the hub location is uh, is it Bellingham? Is that is that still true, or there, yeah, there's kind of two hubs maybe with the group now. I don't know, but the Bellingham, Washington, was where the Benkin team started, right? So. All the way from there to forty six or some odd places, and now Toronto. And I don't think is there another one in Canada yet, or is there? Are you the only yeah, one? Uh, Danielle Connolly Group. Danielle. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So just to comply with uh, the Rico clients and things like that, um, she's with her own broker. She's got her own brand, but she's able to tap into the resources, the technology, and the training and things like that that's offered by Place.
0: Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how and there's a few other uh bigger teams in the US I know kind of making some uh some moves in into Canada. So it'll be interesting to see how that evolves for the the whole landscape of real estate teams and and that because I know I think about it with our team and having a monster team like like uh like them come into different markets here it's obviously it impacts things a little bit and people go what the heck is that? What the hell is that team? Nobody's heard of them before, but there's a pretty big pretty big uh machine behind it, right? It's not just like a it's not just a little tiny team that just came out of nowhere because you see those all the time, yeah. um, but it's a pretty big, pretty big machine there. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the next uh, you know, bunch of years. But um, it's pretty
1: exciting. You know, like a lot of a lot of worthy rivals, right? Like it, we I think we all need more of that. We all need people who are kind of like pushing the envelope or like changing things up or like really focus on improving things. And it makes us step it up. It makes us try to do the same or try to do better.
0: Yeah, provide better service ultimately, and, and give everyone a better experience, client like buyer seller clients and agent clients within the team. Yeah. So, what's the team look like now? Then, uh, over the years, you've grown it. Um, obviously, you have some other team members with you. What's it look like today?
1: Um, yeah, there's 11 agents right now. Two of them are in new markets, so they um, are basically taking the systems and the models and applying it in that in their location. That uh, Danielle and Jackie in Hamilton. So. Um, and then here in, in the city in South Etobicoke and in Southeast Mississauga, there's uh, there's seven of us. And then we have administrative support. We, we use three virtual assistants, and they do a lot of our transaction management and uh, pending and closing tasks. And uh, we just hired an operations manager to um, to work with the agents and to work with the staff and, and run the business because I was doing that for a while, and, and it limits the ability to grow it. Just takes a lot of time, um, and then uh, personal assistant uh, Isabel and my wife helps with our our finances and human resources and things like that. So there's six uh, there's six full time staff, and uh, we have eleven agents right now. Probably grow by like one or two agents at the most next year.
0: And then you have uh, that's the staff in house locally or, or like working directly with your team. And then there's there's a whole background of other support mm-hmm. and stuff through the through the uh, the hub of the expansion. Uh, partner there as well, right? Yeah, there's a CFO that I'll be looking
1: at, and just having a third party looking at it, I think helps us a lot. Um, once a month with uh, Jolene, who uh, helped Ben. He, she was Ben's first hire, and now she runs their entire expansion division and the and the team in Bellingham. And uh, we talk about recruiting once a month, and and talking about pipeline and strategies and things like that to improve. Um, and then with Bob, because he runs the the technology uh, called Drivity that we use, so we meet with him once a month. So yeah, we've got the, we've got the resources to, to be checking in and improving and, and making sure that we're course correcting. Because, you know, to get to the moon, it's like 3,000 course corrections or something like that. Otherwise, you end up in the abyss of space. We try to get uh, as much of that as possible. That's another reason why we partnered up it's the same reason why you were you know the agents on our team sandy would would partner up with us they want that course correcting they want to be focusing on the right things at the right time so it's the same thing but just i i felt like i needed that from someone as well
0: yeah for sure um what's the uh what's the business then uh sorry what, what do you do then in the team what do you what's your day-to-day look like are you doing a lot of transactions are you out of that are you playing to get out of that or what's that look like yeah, I'm still. Uh,
1: I spend the first half of my day following up with buyer and seller leads. It helps me create more opportunities for agents on the team. Our listings generally bring in a lot of leads, so it's it's good to have that to distribute. Um, we have a showing agent model, so I've got two or three agents on our team that'll help with with the buyers so that I can spend more, I, I can create the chaos, but not spend the, the time that we all know it takes to, to go out and show homes and, and keep our eyes open for the right opportunities for those people. Um, it's great for for the showing agent cause they get the opportunity to, to learn and earn at the same time. And, um, just allows all of us to do more transactions. Um, so yeah, I spent the first half of my day doing those follow up calls and then in the afternoons I'm, I'm meeting with, with clients or talking, uh, with meeting with clients or with agents um, that are existing or, uh, or talking to agents who have uh, applied for a position or, or that might be a good fit for our team.
0: And then, uh, so we have 11 now and then uh, 2.4 million. And then has that like gone up? Is there a hockey stick thing in there? Is it look at that over, over the time or the last few years or it hit, like how much did you do last year? I guess was it similar? Or last no? year we did, no,
1: it was half. Like we did 1.2 last mm-hmm. year and it was about 1.3 the year before. So that was like the year that we were transitioning into the organization and you know, th- think we had just started tracking and stuff. Like we were, it was, I felt like pretty far behind. And, um, we were just kind of merging our systems and processes and human resources. So there wasn't uh, immediate growth, but yeah, doubling this year. And, and, uh, yeah, you know, that's during a pandemic. So there was, I think, uh, some of the top teams kind of grew and, and stuff. And then, you know, a lot of the people who would otherwise just work with their cousin cause it's easy and they don't want to offend them or something like that actually want to work with somebody or a team that had their act together. So I think we were able to secure some of that extra business and, and things like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. As a, overall, a lot of, a lot of the top teams had pretty good years actually. Um, but not necessarily doubling their business. So that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. Congrats. Uh, what are uh, what are some of the unique challenges now, then? Because you got a lot more people than you did starting out. Uh, obviously, it creates a little more potentially chaos. Uh, but what does it all look like? Now? Is there a lot of challenges that come with that? A lot of people are scared to add that many people, right? Because they're, they're think it's gonna be dozen, like things gonna be doubling their work to double their income, maybe is worth it, but sometimes not in a lot of people's minds.
1: Yeah, it does. Uh, it does present new challenges. And that's what I was saying. If I was basically running So there's, you know, three virtual staff and and people locally, but, and then 11 agents and somebody has got to solve the problems that come up. Like when a new agent comes on, they have to get, you know, signed into this database to do CMAs uh, through the technology. They have to get it set up on a different account. They have to get us up with their first 86 day checklist. And somebody has to go through that first 86 day checklist with them um, and coach them and guide them on the obstacles they're coming across. So there's all these little issues that come up and, you know, there's people to help support it, but... I was finding that I was interpreting that stuff and being almost like a middleman, I guess, but like just interpreting from the agent side to the, to the service side. And um, I realized that I needed to hire somebody to do that. So I, I kind of took my foot off the gas of doing things like recruiting, even slowed my sales down a bit. Cause I just, the the top priority was finding an operations manager who could, who could take over that job because I was operating the business. So you can, it's very difficult. That was the challenge I was having to actually run the business and Grow it at the same time, and if you're not growing, then it's limiting everybody on your team's opportunity. If I, if the business isn't growing, if we're not getting more people and more resources, then it's harder for the agents to to have as good of a value offering. It's harder for the the staff that we have who are ambitious to to see uh, to see more opportunity. So to attract and retain talent, we had to. I had to stop running the business, and um, thankfully, uh, Ethan started with us this week. Um, you know, there are so many talented applicants, so if people are looking for leverage or if they're at a spot in their business where they're finding that they're not able to grow more and they're slowed down, it's probably because they're missing a person or both. Um, There's a lot of good candidates there right now. We had 100 resumes overnight, where usually we would have 100 in a week. And it's uh, the top three candidates that we narrowed it down to were, were all people who otherwise wouldn't be in the job market. They just, their industry got ravaged by COVID.
0: That's one of the interesting things about this year, right? It's an opportunity. Uh, it's a year of opportunities, really, if you if you can get your mindset to that point, because it's uh, all the people that are laid off, all the people that are, their industries are gone or they're adjusting, right? So we found that too. Um, I don't know if I have a recent number like you did. 100 overnight is, is pretty good. That's pretty awesome. And um, probably a lot more quality too than you've probably seen in the past, I would imagine. I was just going to say like,
1: that's the problem most people have is when do you hire, when is the right time and how do you find the right person? So, um, like, I don't know if, I don't know who would be listening to this podcast right now, but if people are having that problem, then, um, you know, a lot of people ask me, I have a friend in insurance and he will hire a salesperson and then they don't produce right away. And if we're not setting the expectation and if we're not inspecting what we inspect and then coaching and mentoring, then we can't really expect them to just produce. Like we have to give them some guidelines and say, okay, you've got, you need to have 200 people, you know, for example of an agent, 200 people in your, uh, in your database the day you come in. So once you have that, that's your first day. And then we can help guide them and coach them on how to get that list narrowed down to having contacted them all. So we might start with the people who have an address you know, have an email address and we can give them something of value, like the sales in their area recently, and just reach out to them and and catch up or or let them know about what's going on but but we want to have that system we want to have that process in place and if if we need a, a human resource because we can't grow anymore we just we're just sustaining our business we might look at like what are our immediate needs what are the top 4 things that need to be done so that I can have more time and then we can either use that time for luxury and and kick back a little bit or spend more time uh, outside of work doing things that we'd like to do or we can spend that time at, use that as leverage and and grow more and we
0: and so what's that uh obviously you know this is why i find a lot of value in, in keller williams in general and this isn't a kw show so but I, I find tons of value in the platform just being there to share and learn and you can leverage that for onboarding in some ways um i'm sure even with uh place and you know being part of team that even gives another level of uh leverage to ha- have that onboarding system and stuff that you don't necessarily as the team lead have to do it all yourself because i think a lot of people run into that issue is they feel like they're training and having to do everything for that, that new, new hire they, they make. And, um, it's a lot easier when you can leverage a lot of that. Right. So do you have uh, what does that look like for you guys? Your onboarding system? Can you touch a bit on, on what a new agent does when they first come on board with you guys?
1: Um, yeah, like I said, so on day one, they just need to have 200 contacts. Like everybody can get 200 contacts from their phone or from Facebook. Um, people that, that know you like a your doctor or your family member or friend. Yeah, people
0: struggle with that or do they always have 200? Sometimes it's a bit short,
1: but um, they'll add, they'll get to 200 in their first 30 days. Sometimes we just like, it's just better for them to get started with the ones that they have and they can start setting them up on marker reports and start setting them up we want to set our database up so that it's working for us in any way that we can. So whether that's like, we used to tag people. So like whatever community they lived in, we would tag them in that community and then we would send out manually the sales data in their community in the last 30 days. Cause everybody wants to know what, what's selling around them for how much. And we want to be the ones, if we want to have mind share with that person, we want to be the ones who are supplying that data. So it's a really good way to start and to add value and, uh, to get in front of them and to, to earn that mind share with that person. So that's like one of the first things we start doing with agents. And in their first 30 days, they'll go through their 200 sphere and give them some sort of value or invite them to an event or just catch up with them. Um, And then at the same time, in those first 30 days, we want them to preview a hundred houses because they need to get to know the market at a high level. They need to know what the difference is between uh, an $800,000 house and a million dollar house and a $1.5 million house in their area. They need to get to know the market. They want to be in front of, potential sellers, like we've taken listings from doing those hundred previews because uh, a seller was waiting at home, basically waiting to interview the next agent that walked through their door because they were signed up with a discount brokerage and couldn't even get a hold of their own agent, but they wanted to sell and the listing was about to expire. So we took that listing, we sold it for the exact price that they had been asking within two weeks. Um, so opportunities like that come up. So they get to know the market really well while they're talking to their sphere. They're also previewing stuff. So if the topic of conversation of, of, yeah, I actually am looking to buy, then they, then they ask a little bit about what they're looking for and where and stuff like that and say, well, I'm actually previewing homes. Um, you can join me if you want, or I'll tell you, or or I'll tell you what I think. And if, if you, if I think you should check them out. So they're, they're doing these, um, they're in, they're in action. They're doing the most important activities that are going to get them, results the fastest. And while they're doing that after 30 days, they start doing their buyer certification. So now they're learning their, their buyer consult, their seller consult, and it's all just geared around the most important activities that agents should be focusing on. We should be focusing on, on our leads, on our appointments, on our listings and on negotiating all the other stuff we either have to hire for or outsource in some way or team up or, or whatever it takes so that we can just do the, the dollar producing activities, the things that we actually want to be doing, the things that we signed up for.
0: And so uh, do you prefer that? Is that a brand new agent typically? Or they, do you prefer any preference there in, in your experience in hiring someone brand new versus someone who's got some experience but you know wants to join a team for whatever reason?
1: Yeah, we've got a combination. Of, we've got people doing 250 $300,000 partner up because they want to be part of the growth model. They want to tap into those resources and those systems and stop doing everything themselves. So... I mean, ever preference. I mean, yeah. I mean, if they're already productive, then we're not teaching them how to do paperwork. We're not teaching them how to do some of the fundamental stuff and using TREB or, or whatever the case is. Um, but I, we also we want both. Like we want to train and develop brand new people. There's a lot of talent who come into this industry and. Um, just need guidance. When I first got in this industry, I was actually looking for a team. I was interviewing with teams because I didn't want to do the administrative stuff. I didn't want to do, I wanted to do sales. Like one of the things I learned from that direct sales job was that I was best if I was spending my time doing that. They had administrators in the process of deals doing the coordination of all that stuff and I got to just focus on sales and that's what I wanted to do. But there wasn't a team that I was inspired by. There wasn't a team that I was um, that either I just, I have a ton of chances to look around. Like I joined a specific brokerage, I interviewed a bunch and then I joined one. I interviewed a couple of the top, interviewed with a couple of the top teams, but um, I just kind of started going on my own and and building it myself, which honestly, if I had, if I was in Ben Kinney's market, I might've teamed up with him as soon as I, as soon as I got in the business. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think it's, tough go if you don't team up with some someone or a team at the start like I don't I don't really especially these days it's it's tough to get yourself even motivated enough to do the activities and and to do the right activities without all there's so much other stuff to do right you're running a, a whole you're starting a brand new business I don't think many people think of it, about it as the actual business, but there was many, there was a several years where I was making on the deals that I did, I was only making I was making
1: less than 30%. So agents on my team on a 50% split were actually making more money on their deals than I was because our over I had too many staff, we were paying rent, we were paying for all the technology, like the cost Gary Keller talks about it as the messy middle. It's like between like 550, 750,000 in GCI. If you're trying to grow past that you're spending more than you're, you're not, you're not actually not profitable at that point. It might actually be costing you money from your own production. So um, people don't, yeah, people aren't realizing that. Like when they're at a 50, at 50 a split, some of the people who have partnered with us who were already doing 300, we're already spending 50% of that GCI just on their marketing, on their technology, on their lead sourcing, on a staff member if they have one. So, so yeah, I mean, to build that though, to actually, Slow down. That's the biggest challenge and the biggest difference. Sales, succeeding in sales does not transfer to succeeding as a business owner or business builder because they're two very different skills to do well in sales. You have to be very dry forward, dumb and happy. Don't think too much. Don't slow down, go faster. And to build a business, you have to do the opposite. You have to slow down. You have to think it through. You have to be systematic. You have to, slowing down is very hard for me. Like, for from a uh, like behavioral standpoint I'm a high driver I'm a high D I did really well in sales <clears throat> because of the fact that I get to the point and I can be concise and 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 just keep going and talk to as many people as I have to and not think too much about the negative shit that's happening along the way but but building the business was a massive challenge it took many years and many years of losing money and beating my head against the wall and and uh quite frankly having a shitty time
0: it's a tough, you're, you're nailed it on the head to that 500 to maybe a million, even that's kind of where we found it too. Like there was a, we would have been a couple years ago really, where we didn't make definitely a handful of people on our team making more money than, than us as a as team, like a lot more than us. And it was a, that, that, that tough, uh, I think we were probably 500 to like 900 range in total GCI where it was a really tough go to make any profit. And then it does hit a tipping point eventually, but it's, it's a long haul to get there. Not a lot of people will, will, will go through the crap to get to that point. Um, Dude,
1: Ben Kidney, uh, he's got friends in this business, uh, other brokerages and stuff too. And they'll, they'll, do they'll do $4 million in GCI. And they're asking him how he's got $100,000 to buy a property. Right. Like they, they're not profitable doing $4 million. So GCI is the wrong metric. Like we need to be looking at like what are we netting each year?
0: Yeah. Yeah. The net profit, which is, you know, the GCI gets glorified, but all over the place, right? unfortunately, unfortunately, it's kind of the target. It is hard to showcase net, net profit emerging, but that's what everyone needs to learn how to, how to look, right? Look at it in the it's not it's difficult to find, but it's a, it's a different uh, approach and different mindset, I guess, to go look at that, right? And um, you have to be of that team building mindset or of that business mindset uh, and not the high volume sales mindset. All the time, which I think is just education and learning, and kind of having a bit of a mindset shift, uh, in my opinion. Um, but it yeah, it's one so of the in- it's
1: one of those intangibles with because uh,
0: there's a you know 46 other expansion
1: partners, and they're a bit ahead of us, or a bit behind us, or, or whatever. But um, I mean, we're talking about that metric a lot. We're uh, mm-hmm. we're all pretty proud of how profitable our organizations can be, and. And that's awesome for people building businesses within our business too, because they start to earn a percent of the profit and it becomes a very significant number. Like, and in terms of the brokerage model, I mean, I think we we'll, I think our profit this year will be like 60% higher than the top, uh, franchise at our company, uh, in terms of, in all of Canada, right? Like it's, uh, it's, there's a lot. There's a lot more opportunity for for agents in the team model than there is in in the brokerage model.
0: Yeah, it's crazy how that's kind of shifted that way now. Um, I think I heard Gary Keller say one time he was almost like embarrassed that nobody in the business has made more money than him yet. He's like, "What the hell are you guys making more than me?" Yet? The teams should be crushing it. me, even as the not just the brokerage, but the whole whole uh, whole company. Uh, standpoint right so it's it's a it's a huge opportunity still and it's gonna go continue growing i think the team side of it um so it'll be interesting to see how that that changes and, and grows especially in canada because we're a little bit behind uh at the times i think uh, compared to the u.s to put it later, An- probably. another reason i
1: partnered with them they think a lot bigger
0: mm-hmm. what's uh so what's next for you guys to come what's what's happening in 2021 and what's the outlook for the next uh next little while look like um Honestly, we've got projects. We just
1: want to keep layering onto the systems that we have. Like we, uh, we have it all well documented in our software. So we're just looking for more improvements so that there's more communication with the agents about the different things that are happening with their transactions, with their clients, uh, making sure that we're digging in more the, the guy that we hired for operations. He has a track record of, uh, he was working at Budweiser stage and, and running the training and the hiring there. And, um, he did a really good job according to his, his, uh, his past supervisor and stuff um, and some of the stories he told about it on just getting customer feedback on what they want, what they wanted is a better experience. Then he got into some really good examples of what they did to, to improve those. And the ratings kept going up and, and same for the staff. So we want to really improve the, the customer experience and the agent experience. And, um, just keep refining and improving our onboarding plan because we do a really good job of that through place and and those milestones and stuff. And we noticed a a gap between what we're doing locally with our processes and our forums and making sure um, people are, are, we're being proactive about uh, about that onboarding for some of the local stuff and where to find stuff and the resources for it. Um, And then just, you know, growing Slow and steady. Like what? I, one of the things I learned from Bed. Again, it's like that high driver just push forward and bulldoze our way through. Um, he's more of a slow is steady and steady is fast kind of guy. So. You know you get to 46 locations but you know it started with just one and it took five years for his first expansion location in washington uh for them to figure out how to do it and then they expanded to a couple more places pretty quickly in washington and then they expanded to austin texas another six locations in texas and then they just started doing that across the country and now they do it internationally here in canada and um we're just going to adopt the same philosophy and just be nice and steady but uh but it'll all of a sudden seem pretty fast i think
0: so if someone's out there uh, and they're like, you know, starting to build a team or thinking about that path, what's, is there like one trick or one major, major thing you think they should focus on?
1: Uh, which path uh, would that be?
0: Like if they're, if they're starting down the journey of a team, they want to hire a team, they want to, te- they want to build a team of their own. Are they um, like, what's the number one thing they should be doing? What should they be focusing on and learning or?
1: Yeah. I mean uh, not skipping steps. Like that's a I. I I don't know if you've been through that, but I've definitely jumped ahead of a couple dominoes here and there in my career. And then you always have to go back and usually you're just whacking away at that first one again. Um, so, you know, if, if you don't have any support and you're doing enough GCI to justify subadmin support, if you're doing at least two or three transactions a month in our market, you should, you should probably consider hiring some support staff. And then you just want to focus on the most important thing first. So you need to know what are the four key areas that they're going to help with. And you could, there's tons of resources. So if you want to check that out for, for ideas, millionaire a real estate agent or just Google, Um, or just talk to people who are running teams and have done it before, that's probably the best way. Um, But just starting with the things that, of the four key areas, what is the most important area? And then we just start with one thing at a time. Like you you can only onboard somebody and and have them do so much at a time. We just wanna be clear on what it is that we want out of that and then what we're gonna do with our time. So we wanted to make sure that we're using that time mostly for leverage, not so much for luxury. Uh, but one at a time, we don't need to we don't need to blow out of the water on day one. And I think that's what I tried to do earlier in my career. And it slowed me down a lot.
0: I think a lot of the top salespeople do that for sure. It's kind of natural, right? They're they're kind of being entrepreneurial and not purposeful, because they're kind of pretty common line there with that. And you said something interesting, subtly, but interesting, because I had Lorraine Jordan on last week, we were talking about hiring, and she was blown away that she has not gotten one reference call ever from uh, from someone that's left their team. And you said you you talked to the um, I forget his name, when you your new director of ops there, his uh, past uh, supervisor. <laughs> when you said that, I'm like, oh, you're actually following a system probably to do that. And you're actually calling those people and checking up on their track record to get to know them a bit. I think the hiring processes can't be overstated how important it is You to know actually what? follow a bit of a system. Yeah. I mean, this time, like I've done it a bunch of times
1: and I it's never perfect. And I probably could talk to more references and dig deeper on the uh, references that I get. But um, I actually had my book. Uh, from that course, and I was going through it and like going back to basics and just rereading what I had, you know, you pay thousands of dollars to go on these courses, then you never read the book again, but I decided while I went through the process this time, I was going to try to do it a little bit more by the book, and ultimately when i realized that i'm actually in this business and i'm doing this business building thing for the purpose of growth for the purpose of improving and it's it's my conduit for personal growth and development then i realized like instead of this being a painstaking i don't want to have to do this this is taking time away from my sales and my production and other things that i could be doing i just fully embrace it and decide i want to get really good at this so doing things while i'm doing that process and studying it while I'm doing it just helps me get better. And then it's actually motivating and exciting to do these things and to take on these challenges. Cause, cause it's all layering on to, to ultimately being the best version of ourselves we could be.
0: Awesome. So if someone uh, out there is kind of listening or watching to the, uh, this uh, show here and they want to know more, they want to learn from you or they want to talk about opportunities with you, uh, you know, who are the people that you'd uh, want to chat with about that and uh, how can they get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, I mean, they could just go to our website, KeitnerGroup.com. That's got all the agents and staffs that are on our team. So they could reach out and find out what their experience is like and what they like or don't like about it. Um, Obviously, they could reach out to me directly anytime. And uh, other than that, we're pretty easy to find on social media and, and things like that. So
0: Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, congrats on the success. Uh, it's going to be exciting to watch you grow again, 2.2.4 range. You're getting up there to some of the top teams in uh, the country, I think, uh, for at least uh, for the company. So be exciting to watch, uh, watch you grow again. And, uh, I don't know, is, is doubling the business on the radar for next year again, or is that, uh, is that going to be a bit more challenging?
1: We're aiming for 4.5. So we'll see, uh, it won't be double, but we'll see how close we can get.
0: Awesome, awesome. Good stuff, man. Appreciate all the value you shared, all the insights. Um, I know a lot of people hopefully got some good good stuff out of this. And uh yeah, thanks for being here, man. It was fun. Thanks for having me on. Catch you up more soon. All right, talk to you
1: Talk to you all later. See ya.